Hi, this is Kurt from NXS, but wait, there's more. Here's part two of NXS Access All Areas. Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Well, welcome to NXS Access All Areas, episode 71, the podcast that dives deep into all the great things about this band. And momentum we're getting, B. We are getting momentum, aren't we? Hello, how are you? <laughs> I can't keep up, Hayden. I've just <laughs> zoomed. I've just zoomed up and down the motorway. Um, in between, night, nearly killing the emu. I'm sorry, nearly, right. nearly, right. nearly, and word, having to yeah. stop for duck crossings and ducks coming across the road. It's been like a menagerie of getting down the highway to. Good today. word, menagerie. A I menagerie, like, you like that one. Yeah. What do we say? We had a great chat with Kirk last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a joy to deal with. He's uh, popped back into our green room today and he's eager beaver to, uh, I guess, reveal more. And uh, we have uh, had a great response to obviously those episodes or that episode. And I think people also too, B, we must give a knowledge to Philip Mortlock. Talk about a staying power of a, a podcast. We've had about 50% hits this week from that one too. So Kudos yeah. to both our guests, I guess. Yeah, but. it's like a media frenzy between the two of them. <laughs> Who can get the most points? Well, I think between the two of them, it means that we're now charting in Norway. Is that right? <laughs> we are char- we're in the top 25 in Norway, and we're mm-hmm. zooming up the charts in America again, which is good. Well, we're struggling in Tanzania, but you know what? We're big in Norway, so we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, I think it was just a lot of fun to have Kirk on, and, um, you know, I think we were both giddy with joy as we spoke to him uh, last week and real fanboy fangirls as we're just sort of taking in his experiences and, mm. you know, hearing it from, you know, the horse's mouth, so to speak, um, just what it was like being in the band. and. I'm sure we've got more chestnuts and anecdotes today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my fangirl bit out now as well and have a well, chat. Well, we normally get him. in early and ask, how was your NXS week? But uh, mm. how has your NXS week been, B? I guess I've got uh, a, we a are list. In, we, are in, <laughs> we are in pseudo school holidays, albeit we've been mm. teaching kids from home and things. But uh, what's sort of taken up most of your NXS world this week, B? My phone's been pinging and pinging and pinging. I've got a lovely guy called Thomas who's, um, yep. who's, yeah, I think we're holding his hand, but now he's a patron. Hello, Thomas. And I want to say hello to the 240 new listeners this month, Hayden. Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. Was Thomas pretty keen to learn what happened on the Dirty uh, Honeymoon Tour back in 93? He's pretty keen <laughs> to know a lot of stuff. And okay, it's really? out of my realm. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, um, yes, just come be a patron. You can speak to the others. Like, you know, I'm just a fangirl. Yeah. I like leather trousers. <laughs> <laughs> and look, a, a quick happy birthday to, I think it's Jack Ann. Uh, oh, yes. Who, uh, He's very keen for Timmy's uh, uh, eyes to see the collage of all the Tibby sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's, I've told her she, he's a little bit preoccupied with yeah. uh, barristers at the moment and things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Just give uh, him the- space, give him a bit of time. Yeah, and the other one is Paul Jolie. Paul Jolie's birthday last week. He had a we birthday. missed it. Yeah. Yep. They're all having yep. birthdays. I think even Glenn Davis 
had well, a party too. What date? Well, at the time of this going out, B, it's going to be going out around about the sort of first, second of October. So, mm. what's nine months previous to uh, the first of October? It's it's New Year's Eve, isn't it? Yes, true. <laughs> we know those families didn't go out that night. They had a night in. <laughs> so, um, yes, kudos to all the birthday people. But, um, yeah, just a, a, I might add a little bit in my in excess week, B. I think both of us yeah, um, had an email from, uh, I think, a Darren Jones, uh, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, who mm-hmm. used to uh, run one of the in excess sites many, many years ago. And uh, he's got great access to, you know, some of the band and the information and some of the write-ups he's done. Uh, we would love to get him on one of the future episodes uh, as per the email I sent him today in response. So before inexcess.com, he put together a website in the late 90s before sort of the dot-com era was a thing. Yeah, there's a there's lots going on at the moment, I'm Bea, looking with forward to, and things. Yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking to Darren. He sounds like he's had a lot of access and he's big friends with Matthew Marslin and yes. Mary Woods. Yep. So, yeah, I think this will maybe the little jigsaw piece that we need to keep going. What yeah, do you think? And- and uh, I did uh, forget to mention to you, and I was going to put in the news, but it's probably more of an anecdote more than a news item, but uh, I did ring uh, Mr. Mark Opitz last week for a quick chat just to get some information on something. And How is uh, he? Well, he's lovely, and he sends his regards to you, and he was Aww. most keen to know how your dad was and, and how Aww. you were coping, and he, uh, he loves you, no, and he likes he. me. And oh, I okay, that's good. That's and I good. love that, him. I like I- <laughs> But, Bit um, of a triangle then. <laughs> but the the word quick chat is probably not something that him and no. I are both capable of because we got on the phone for what was a quick chat and I didn't want to keep him, but we spoke for an hour and a half. Oh, so uh, it was almost a podcast in itself. But It's um, good stuff, though, when you talk to Mark, isn't it? It's not well, like talking yes. about like football results. It's yes. good stuff. Uh, and I was keen just to get him potentially, I think I had to ask him a couple of questions, but uh, one of the ones was we spoke about Niven Garland, who's an engineer and worked on the Welcome Album and, and Full Moon, and uh, he's going to hunt down Niven for us to get maybe him on the podcast oh, for Welcome. Oh, excellent. And Niven, <laughs> all I'll say is he's living in Spain uh, producing olives. and uh selling olives and uh, i look through niven's bio and he's worked with madonna and he's worked with lenny kravitz and all Uh sorts of people as well as in excess so um we thought you know a nice little flavor there when we do the welcome review album uh to having the michael used to do that for a while didn't he him and helena um, Michael and Helena had olive groves in their uh, garden. Chris Murphy might have done it too. Did he? Ah. he? He was producing produce and things there for a while on his farm. So, ah. but uh, yeah, it'd be great. Think about having sort of you know both the producer and the engineer on on that unique album. So yeah. So uh, yeah, they had a, a good chat there, and in, in, in my little in excess will be. But uh, did uh, you see that blog thing that I sent you about um, according to Doyle? I, elaborate because it's ringing a bell. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. That's the, the countdown, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? I don't yeah. know. Tell me more. Oh, look, it th- sounds interesting. It was a, yeah, I think it's, look, I think it's just a fan initiative where someone has ranked or put down all the in excess singles, I think, or songs from sort of, uh, you know, it might have been up to 60 or 70 down to number one. I can't quite mm-hmm. remember, but they've just done them in sections of 20 and, and counting themselves backwards there. So okay. it was just a, a, a good old poll in a list that we all love. Um, I did a poll. Yeah. <laughs> 
Really? Did you what, see, what, did what strip you, club was it at, B? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Imagine that. At the RSL. My dodgy hip. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be a comedy night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my poll was, um, which In Excess albums do you have? I just thought, let's see what you have and what you haven't got out there yeah. in Hutch Nation. And, of course, Kick was number one. Yes. Um, but it was interesting to see mm. that everyone's going, oh, so there's more than just kick. Yes, there is more than kick. Come and listen yeah. to the podcast and you hear Hayden talk about more. Well, you know, we're all trying to sort of get the whole catalogue out and, and uh, into people's consciousness and things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can say that there's nothing better than being sort of a six out of ten fan and then discovering an album of a person you really love. And um, I think I've mentioned this previously on podcasts that uh, – you know, I grew up with uh, Prince's sort of controversy album and 1999 and then, you know, the seminal Purple Rain and then Around the World in 80 Days or Around the World in a Day or whatever it was called. Um, but I didn't necessarily discover his uh, 1987 album, Sign of the Times. I knew the song off it mm-hmm. and one or two singles, but I hadn't really done a big deep dive into that particular album until probably, say, six, seven years ago. Uh, but it's in my car all the time and the kids love it. <laughs> Especially there's a song on there called Starfish and Coffee, which is a, a, it's a, it's a kid, kids type song. But mm. um, Did you, know, you were- see that um, Tim had put a bit on of um, uh, Prince playing guitar? Uh, as in? Funky White, what does it play that? Funky, funky music, white boy, white yeah, boy. by yeah. yeah, by Prince, and well, that's, um, yeah, Prince has played that live in concert, yeah. Mm, yeah. And he was saying that he was one of his top um, guitarists that he's ever seen, and he he saw him many times. It was quite yeah. a good little um, post that he put. Yeah, what I was probably trying to get to is that sometimes, like, if if there's an inexcess fan on, you know, or fans on our sort of patron list, let alone just you know listenership. <laughs> Uh, and you haven't really heard the swing album very much, or you only know the singles. Well, you know, when you go back and yeah, find the deep cuts, it can be really interesting sort of discoveries. Or it might be that you know you dropped off, dropped off after sort of X or Welcome, and you didn't really discover or invest in Elegantly Wasted, or even Switch, which you know Kirk was a real sort of proponent of last week. So, you know, one of the sub genres of this podcast is to expose uh, listeners and audiences out there to these albums, and you know, I guess download accordingly and and yeah enjoy because there's more than just the hits aren't they B? there's some absolute gold out there so go back and listen Now, quick thing as well, we had a really, really nice email from Philip as well after last week too. Did you want to sort of elaborate on that? <laughs> yeah. In well, fact, we did you just see that photo he's just set put, posted as well? Oh, my God. So, yeah, I've, oh. I've invited a lot of the patrons onto his Where Are WA Now? And it's just a wealth of information. So if you guys want to go and have a look at that Facebook page, Philip's page is awesome. He's Can you see it? Have you, are you looking at it now? No, I'm not. Are you, doing the, the Are you working, is- Hayden? Are you doing double times on me? <laughs> hey, hey, listen, the king of multitasking. <laughs> hey, you know, a funny one the other day, my daughter said to my son, we were cleaning, it's it's, it's hard rubbish pickup this week in our area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my son was making her grab some things. She said, well, I'm not an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> She's four. So I, I like the oh, rational I thinking about that. But, um, but um, 
but yeah, so in terms of Philip, there's you talk about the post on his WA where are they site? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, I recommend people going on and having a look because he's got some absolute goodies on there, like photographs of the band uh-huh. that we haven't seen before, um, much more of like industry photos of presentations of their um, awards, and also some of them like of his desk full of in excess um stuff you know making yeah. oh it's amazing i love all that i love a creative yeah yeah no it's great and and um you know having you know philip as a resource or somebody we can sort of go back and forth with post you know the the interview is is a joy and um as i said again i think you know the 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 excellence of uh you know his contribution to the the last two podcasts is reflected in the numbers i think mm. when the sequel exceeds the first one <laughs> you know I people guess. enjoyed the first one yeah it's yeah. Been like terminated 2 more people saw terminated 2 than 1 because <laughs> they like the first um which is good but it's um, been nice actually to see so many people and looking at our deep dive into kirk as well yep. so both of those um have been being listened to quite a lot and John's yeah. actually come on John yeah well it's always our goal just to said bring you close to everything about the band as we can so you know we are conduits to that and we, we, we we're glad that it has sort of uh, reacted with our audience but um uh, I guess B, uh, it is patron time, and I do know we like to acknowledge some of the newbies. Uh, who are the newbie patrons? I We've think got loads this some. week. Oh okay. my goodness! Oh, so that call of thirteen, we need still need fourteen now. Or? I do want to say hello to Manny though. I don't yes. know if I said hello to him last week, but I'm going to say hello again. Um, Manny is from Leeds in the UK, and um, he's busily going for everything so i can't wait for you to become a patron but yes we've got the pauls have arrived into our little gang we've got paul buckley and paul bridges paul bridges at last you're here yay and then we've just had thomas Purcell as well so hi guys that's awesome that you're here and also hello to all the followers of uh, on what do you call them unique followers that we have on podbeam we've got loads more people following us on there which is great because that means that you get to hear us as soon as we air. Well, look, just to reiterate, you know, again, for, for some of the patrons or people who listen regularly, you know, we don't want to bore you with this. If, if it does, you can skip ahead. But uh, uh, our patron service does give you direct access to a lot of the guests we have on, even so much in asking questions to band members and so much as getting on Zoom calls with people like Nick Egan, who designed the cover mm-hmm. of Kick. Um, getting involved, uh, you know, with sort of auction groups and prizes and prize packs and things uh, amidst getting just recognised throughout the podcast and being part of the community. And we can only sort of emphasise that we would love, as I said, a greater patron, you know, service amounts coming in because, as I said, we're trying to put that back into the podcast and give the uh, the band, you know, the best chance to to move to the Hall of Fame and equally have the best product come out to you guys as well. So, And not but- only that, they're actually a great bunch of people and you can oh, yeah. get a lot more information from them than you can from me um, oh look yeah, the amount of engaging great. between the podcasters yeah. and friends that have been made you know it was lovely yeah. getting a, a post overnight from i saw from david gaunt who mm. i think promoted the uh sure. in my insomniac hours last night he, he posted a really nice uh facebook page to our kirk interviews yeah. oh these are my friends hayden and b and you know those Aww. things are lovely to hear, you know, we so. love you dave <laughs> Yeah. Listen um, out for him in the news. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, look, you know, as I said, you know, it's opened up other sort of channels now where we have induct teams out there and Dave mm. and, and Pedro do, have got the collector's side. And it's really just broadening uh, stuff uh, within things. And 
as you know, you've said before, you went through a period where maybe you know NXS were about fifteenth on your day to day sort of roster because you had kids and moving to Australia and life moves on. And it's great seeing a lot of these fans and people flock back because of their greatness. So absolutely, and now I've got a room full of them. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't want to waffle too much on we, today. We, we have we, gone on a bit, haven't we? we? Bit. This is our longest intro we've ever done. <laughs> but I must admit, I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, we might. Why don't we do this? Why don't we just pause the patron welcome today because we do want to get to Kirk a bit quicker. Um, all the patrons know who they are. We'll, we'll pause them for one week in the welcomes. Um, we'll just do a collective. Uh, we love you and appreciate you to all of you. You know who you are. That's right. Give me a bit of a break. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. And uh, we will, uh, I guess, get in time for a quick something section, B. What is it time for? It's time for the news. Hi, it's Dave from England, and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the news. Or a B chart watch. Well, uh, last week there was a little bit of a, a gap, and uh, as Murphy Law uh, suggests, the the day of recording, uh, some four hours after recording finished, there was a chart change. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so pleasingly for this week, we have two chart changes now. So it went from thirty five to thirty six, and that's gone from thirty six to forty. What? So. It has dipped a little bit. And as probably Philip correctly said in the email, it is all about streaming rather than purchasing. But I guess you can still go down and buy the CDs. You can still turn around and, uh, um, you know, do that part of the sale. But he's correct in the sense that if you haven't got the album and you need to go purchase or get your fourth copy, you can stream uh, and download and listen and, and all of those particular activities, uh, which is which is particularly uh, exciting. All right, other little bits of news, B. Uh, did you see any of the grand final on oh, Saturday? Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Little yes. bit of new, little bit of retro. Yeah, well, our, our version of the Super Bowl or Wembley mm-hmm. FA Cup or whatever final was on in Perth the other day in Australia and a band who we championed their cause about three weeks ago, Eskimo Joe, were one of the headline acts. Yeah. Well, they did a, a they did a, a justice to in excess by actually covering the song "Kick" yeah. at the grand final in front of sixty four thousand people. That went down particularly well amidst the other bands who. And he were didn't singing. try to do a Michael. He did it in his own no, style. He's Good got a on great, him. He's got a great, great voice. voice. Yeah. And even more reason we could try get him on our show soon, mm-hmm. hopefully. Uh, Eskimo Joe themselves have a great With his man catalog. Manliner. Huh? His manliner on. He did have a little bit of manliner on, but uh, it's all show business and things. Uh, so, uh, yeah, great voice, great version, and uh, we hope uh, people enjoyed it. I know people were posting on our socials about it. Also, too, a bit of uh, credit to, I think, Dr. Jim. He put on a, uh, I think he uploaded a couple of weeks ago on his platform a Hall of Fame podcast, which is a bit different to the one I've promoted before. Mm-hmm. But this one, I think, is called Hall of Fame or Hall of Fame. And there was a special on Australian artists who should be in the Hall of Fame and those who probably could and would be and shall be and those who won't be. But it was fantastic for those who love Australian music and rock and bands and things. And it was uh, one of the more refreshing podcasts about the Hall of Fame I have listened to. So uh, if you put in Hall of Fame Aussie episode, Australian bands episode, you should be able to find it on all the Google searches. Okay. Uh, but that was really, really good to listen to. And I know a lot of people got a bit out of it as well. You have to make sure that's linked onto her Facebook page or something. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I think just 
give give Dr. Jim a call how to do that. I will. <laughs> <The me. laughs> um, other bits of news, bit of live gig stuff quickly. Uh, Nambucca Heads, that's not far from you, is it? No. Really? Or Nora Heads, is it? Nora Heads? Nora Heads. No, that's the Nambucca Hotel. Live Baby Live tribute show, October mm. 9 at Nora Heads and October 23 at Nambucca. October 23? And October 9 time. in your vicinity, Live Baby Live tribute show. We mentioned the other week our friends in Belgium have a great In Excess Facebook page. Well, I did see there is an In Excess and Cure tribute show in Belgium on November 1. Oh. <laughs> anyone in Brussels or, or Brussels. in Bruges or wherever it is uh, at November 1? <laughs> okay, the Brussels with Brussels. Uh, or who listen from that Bel- from the Belgian market, there is a The Cure and an In Excess double show or double act uh, in uh, Belgium. Uh, on November 1. So kudos to Belgium. Also, too, a uh, bit of an anniversary, uh, B was um, 16 years ago, about well, a couple of days, a couple of days uh, essentially to, well, actually to when uh, JD was announced as your right for our band <laughs> on Rockstar. So I guess a little bit topical because Kirk brought him up Can last Can you say week. that again? Your right for our band. Makes <laughs> <laughs> me laugh every time you do that's what Tim said that are. You're right for our band. You're right for our band. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's about 16th year anniversary. So there was quite a good, you know, flourishes of things. And I think JD himself posted a really quite a lovely sort of respectful, you know, it was something changed my life. You know, it mm. was quite a humble and a really nice post that he put out. And I saw somewhere it was actually his birthday while he was on the show as well, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yes. so he'll be having a birthday now as well. So happy birthday, JD. And he's born on the same day as me, so there you go. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so when he was having his birthday at the show, I was there that day too. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. I thought I'd yeah. heard it somewhere. It was on our yeah, show. I know. <laughs> I was story inserting myself, of course. Okay, a couple of little things. In Australia, if you have Foxtel, which is our sort of uh, pay TV unit, uh, in the last week or two, there has been the Rock Legends series, which is a, a UK show, goes for about an hour, that highlights a band and... Uh, I sort of taped this one a year ago and watched it and loved it and I taped it again this year and it is something that you probably can get on, you know, downloads or through YouTube or whatever, but uh, it has been on Foxtel in Australia over the last week on regular replay and it just breaks the the whole uh, the whole uh, career of the band down and there's one sort of wanker guy on there who, uh, you know, doesn't know what he's talking about, but the rest of them are pretty cool. Watch the show, you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that was there uh, And the last little bit of thing just to mention There was a song I heard about well, Four weeks ago and I thought It was John Farris's new single uh-huh. <laughs> my, I didn't have my glasses on I looked at the TV or the, the pop-up On Facebook I think it was on my phone And I thought it was John and it sounded like him And it looked like him from afar But it was actually Kieran Gribben Okay, oh. And I know Dr. Jim, I think, might have mentioned this on his platform, but the song's called Lady Karma, and it's got a really good hawk. It's got a really good funky in excess guitar on it, mm. a really good vocal and chorus. So I would urge people, I think it released on September 24, the song's called Lady Karma. You can sort of feel a bit of an in excess influence on well, it. Let's Wouldn't play you... it. Huh? Let's play well, it. We can put, we'll put a little bit over the top as we go back and edit yeah. this, okay? So yeah. we'll put a bit on there to give you a okay. sample. But... Uh, 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 I'll have to have a look. We might have to do a deep dive and see if Andrew co-wrote it, but uh, it had a bit of an in excess hook in it. So I would like to highlight Kieran's contribution to his latest release. That's the news, B. Awesome. Nice and punchy.
Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. the Netherlands. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and Dee. And now it's time for the topic of the week. And now we're ready for part two with our gorgeous man, Kirk Pengilly, um, where I start off being a bit of a fangirl, so bear with me. <laughs> Freshwater, are you? Because I used to live in DY. Oh, did you? Wearing actually Queenscliff, but overlooking oh, yeah. sort of fresh, fresh water, facing sort of north. Yeah, it's it's pretty special. I reckon if it wasn't for this, you know, the view and the access to the beach for Lane, yeah, um, you know, we'd both be going crazy. How good is the diggers now? Excellent. It's beautiful. Although, you know, the diggers? Obviously, haven't been there for over three months, but um, no, uh, yeah, I, I love it. It's got such a such a great vibe. Oh uh, well, yeah, yeah. The diggers used to be like an old RSL sort of thing. Um, yeah. What they call it, the Mounties. I think it's the Mounties. Yeah, it's it's owned by what they call the Mounties Group. Mm. I think they own a, a bunch of uh, establishments like that you know, kind of thing. But, yeah, it is. It's great. It's got a really open, casual feeling. And, yeah, um, yeah I love it there. I, yeah. I, actually signed, I actually signed up about, oh, I don't know, when we moved here in 2007. Um, a year or two later, I thought, oh, the diggers, that's like walking distance. So yeah. I actually so, somehow they offered a lifetime membership for like, you know, 100 so bucks should. or something. <laughs> yeah. And so I got a lifetime membership, which I'm very proud of. <laughs> yeah. I used to take the kids there where they used to have the little grass area at the back. And you see, put the, put the views over there. They, and yeah. so what they did, Hayden, is they demolished it. And it was a bit mm. sad because they had this lovely grass area for the kids and stuff. Um, and then they've just made it just awesome. It's loads of different restaurants inside, isn't it? Yeah. A big outdoor area that mm. overlooks the ocean. And, yeah, it's prime. Uh, it's a prime location. There's no oh, doubt about that. I'll take you one day, Hayden. In fact, sorry, Hayden, I know I'm taking over. We're going to be doing our second birthday party i will make sure that we take that place in hayden very good i think we're doing, a, we're doing a magical mystery bus tour to all in excess northern beaches slash you know venues and whatever there so uh yeah you know uh, what, what a shame uh, what a shame the manly vale isn't still there oh but, no uh, we were talking about that it's a girl's school now it's well it's a, not um oh, no, it's that, not. the girl the girl the girl's school i believe was already there. I think it's kind of apartments and all that sort of stuff. It's very near where McKellar was, which is where Lane oh. went to high school. Um, that's the same area. Um, but it was probably, I think, because it was up up higher on, on the hill there, so oh. towards, uh, you know, going heading south. So, okay. yeah, it's a shame that went because that was, you know, that was our – our home ground, really. We, yeah. We really started to make things happen and, you know, started to 
to get uh, a, a crowd base and all that sort of thing. And then it was demolished. Oh, so sad. I think I got there in on the Northern Beaches. I was there from 2006. I was there just before you. And then I yeah. left in 2017. So I've seen all your places. I've met up with yeah. David Clemmer and he took me, um, found out oh, yeah. we rehearsed and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah, that little factory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I drive past that a lot and it literally has not changed a bit. That no, exactly. went inside. A guy took oh, wow. me inside. Yeah, yeah. And he if, was the been... actual owner. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, have you been to the Avalon RSL, which was obviously one of our yeah. very first, uh, very first sort of uh, places that we performed and stuff? So yeah, I was reading yeah. about Tim putting hit the flyers on the cars at the uh, at Avalon <laughs> at the Narrabeen too. It's, yeah, yeah, and the Narrabeen. Yeah. Sorry, Hayden, I could talk about yeah, that. Right. <laughs> when 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 I heard you were from Queenscliff, Kirk, I, I in an article a couple of years ago, living there. I'm like, oh, he's come back to Melbourne, Victoria, or whatever, you know. Oh, okay, right. Queenscliff. I didn't know there was a Queenscliff in New South Wales. Yeah, so I think I was there's like, one in Queensland too. Right? Yeah, yeah. We 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 don't have origination when it comes to sort of naming things, but um, <laughs> um, Queenscliff's where the ferry goes to, right? Is that right? Yeah, it goes across to Port City across, in Sorrento. Yeah, yep. across the across the peninsula there. Oh, um, that's yeah. right. Yeah, um, south. Across South the bay. Melbourne. Across yeah. the bay, yeah. yeah. I thought so, I'd heard about it before because I used to live in St Kilda. So yeah. I, yeah. You've lived everywhere, B. I have, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, from Mel- I'm from Melbourne originally, so uh, I from North Bowl and um, that was a long time ago, though. Well, yeah. I was going to ask you that, one of my first questions, because it was the beginning, because you were at um, Forest High, but you were at Cottage Point, is that right? Correct. So yep. when did you move to Cottage Point? We moved there from Melbourne in 66, I believe it was. So the first, uh, I went, I, somehow I skipped a grade. I don't know what happened because I left Melbourne uh, having, you know, matriculated from second grade. Um, <laughs> and then I went straight into fourth grade in uh, Terry Hills. Um, which well, the education the system down here is so good, you know. Uh, yeah, Kirk, that they, I was way ahead. Grade three, <laughs> we didn't, you don't need grade three. Grade two education is a grade yeah, three yeah. in New South Wales. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it was it was kind of frustrating because I was one of the youngest in you know my year then as a result of that. So I didn't get my driver's license till the middle of year twelve, whereas. Most of my friends, uh, you know, including Tim, who was a year older than me, got their license uh, in in mid-year 11, you know, or sometime in year 11. So that was frustrating, especially considering, you know, I lived in this really remote place in the middle of a national park. Yeah. Um, I could get the bus to and from Terry Hills, but then it was another 10Ks to Cottage Point into the National Park. and It's hard to get I, there now, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is. And then in my, uh, in my mid-teens, I guess when I was about 15, I think, mum and dad opened up a restaurant in, in our house at Cottage Point. So they were kind of... Uh, you know, caught up with, with, you know, people at lunchtime and that. So quite often I'd walk that 10 kilometres from Terry Hills home because, and, and I'd hitchhike, hitchhike yeah. into a national park. Yeah. Um, and so quite often, yeah, I'd, I'd walk home and I've still got calluses on my, uh, on my hands here from, we used to have school cases back then. There wasn't such a thing as a backpack. Um, and, 
they were, you know, it was quite heavy, full of books, and I've actually still got the calluses on my hands from still got the you know, wounds. Oh. Walking ten kilometres, we're like glad the uh, freaking case. Yeah. We're glad the Malat family weren't doing any roadworks uh, yeah. on the, the highway at that time. <laughs> oh, there, but, um, it wouldn't have it's had quite the, amazing those beautiful actually, sounds. I, so I whereabouts know. was the house? Was that right down the bottom where the um, the harbour part is, or were you? Yeah. Was right oh, on the water. Were. Literally, right on the literally water. you could look out the window, um, you know, on the on the veranda, um, and the water was sort of directly below. Um, so yeah, so, it's pretty pretty special place, I've got to say. So there's only two like restaurants there, isn't there? Which one? Uh, there's a kiosk, uh, yes. which is ra- around in sort of the bay near the yacht club, and then there's yeah the the Cottage Point Inn, which was a fabulous restaurant. Um, yeah. yeah, but the, but mum and dad's restaurant was in our house, which was much further around oh. um, west from where Cottage Point Inn is. Yeah, it's it's you know it's full of big houses now, but it's still it's still got this amazing kind of remote escape kind of feel mm. about a Cottage Point. Um, it has, yeah. it has right on the Hawkesbury. Hey Hayden, the the Cottage Point um, Inn is it called the Inn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you catch a you catch a, a, a seaplane from Sydney Harbour and it actually um, drops you off at outside the restaurant. It's oh, very mm. romantic, isn't it? It is. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. With you skipping a class, the sliding doors moment and things like that, would have you met Tim otherwise? You know, oh, given probably not. Yeah. Um, you know, because we met in, uh, in in science class in. Oh, actually, uh, I can't remember if it was science or not now, but but we met in secondary high school. So, mm. um, look, more than likely, no, yeah. um, probably wouldn't have. You know, it's one of those things, isn't yeah. it? Really, it is uh, like how we how we all came together. Uh, in a way, and and you know the 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 six of us went to two different high schools in the same area. Um, so the younger guys, John and Andrew and Michael, went to uh, Davidson, and Tim and Gary and I went to Forest High. Although we didn't really hang out with Gary. Gary, you know, Gary's a bit of a football kind of meat pie guy back then, and uh, <laughs> we we were too cool to. He wasn't. He wasn't arty enough, arty enough for, for for you guys. No, though. no, no. But then the irony of it all was he ended up playing in a band with Andrew and Michael. Um, and that was kind of how that connection ended up coming about. I read somewhere that it, was it you or Tim had had a drawing of a guitar on your pencil case, and that's how yeah. it started. Is that? I think we both did, but yeah, Tim, oh. as I recall in my mind, but you know, Chinese whispers within your own head. I, I recall walking past. He was at a different desk and walking past and seeing the guitar on his pencil case and kind of, you know, sort of went, oh, cool. Yeah, I, I play guitar too. And and we hit it off straight away, yeah, became besties. And are you from a musical family? Because you've got a couple of brothers, is that correct? Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, I, well, mum and dad weren't. Uh, mum had done sort of drama, I think, when she was 
younger um, and dad was in advertising. So he was kind of, he was very creative. But uh, my eldest brother, Mark, um, played drums in, in a band and they occasionally rehearsed at Cottage Point, you know, back when I was a kid. And I used to sit there and just watch them the whole time. And then it was Mark, my oldest brother, that gave me a, a beat-up acoustic guitar because he, he he took up playing guitar and writing songs and stuff like that. And so he was a huge influence, really, um, on, well, one, first giving me my first guitar, but also he used to play, you know, records being older and I was the youngest. Um, he'd play, you know, records and stuff in his room, which I would drift off to sleep listening to each night, you know. Oh. So it, 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 you know, it was a, it was definitely a very big part of my kind of, I guess, my my love for music that developed. I'll, I'll let you ask a question that I had to <laughs> We were born before the wind Also younger than the sun Yeah, the bonnie boat was one As we sail into the mystic Oh, I now hear the sailors cry Smell the sea and feel the sky Let your soul and spirit fly yeah, quick little Mythbusters. Uh, I remember reading around the early 90s about a certain song you weren't that au fait with, and I think I might have uh, bailed you up outside the Melbourne Uni uh, club gig in about 93, and you were like, oh, yeah, I don't really like that song. And Shining Star. Put that out there to our listeners. Like, oh, Kirk couldn't dislike that one. I said, well, I reckon he thought it might have been a cynical lyric maybe. I don't know what it was. But- no, I just wasn't a huge fan of it, you yeah. know, of the song and the kind of recording, uh, just, you know. It probably would not have been my choice, you know, whereas, uh, you know, one of my favourite songs of all time is uh, Strangers Party, which was just, you know, kind of an out out of the blue, (laughs) out of the blue song, I think, for, for a best of album we put out at some yeah, point or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first greatest hits album that it came out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, that song I really dug. I really, um, I, I really, really liked it. It's just had a great vibe. But Chinese love, star, not love so much. There's one more time. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And, and I love the elegantly wasted albums. Found though. Mm. Yeah. yeah, with with regard to I guess uh, celebrity squares, Kirk. What would you comment on that? Uh, Twenty years later, just for the record, is, is there anything no, you want to I say to the fans? Remember? Oh my god! <laughs> no, I do remember it um, vaguely. You don't uh, want to remember uh, it. <laughs> Master Chef. Yeah. I was a big fan of Kirk on there. You know, I, yeah, I was yeah. a big fan of Kirk's efforts on there and the charitable. That was, that was the it. the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. It looked like it for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wembley yeah. was fine, but oh, that's a piece of cake, you know. <laughs> three, but, pommy, um, what, three, three fat pommy judges there. That really freaked you out, didn't it? Yeah, they, they were good guys, though. You know, yeah. that, that was the great thing about that show. And also it was, you know, straight after the first season, which was a massive success. I mean, how it came about, I don't even know why I was even approached or if anyone knew that I was into sort of cooking or whatever. It's, it was really weird. But Lane had done Dancing with the Stars, I think, the year before and I saw how much she got out of that and how how outside of the box she was with it and and what a great sort of curve that she she went through from doing that show I thought well yeah that's inspiring it inspired me to just go ah I'll, I'll do MasterChef even though I don't see myself as being a great 
cook, you know. But one of the things I, I did like about the show, as opposed to, you know, something like My Kitchen Rules and all that, which to me seems to have a lot of kind of contrived, contrived drama. Yeah, what I liked about MasterChef was that, you know, it was it was actually finding all the positive things and putting them out and making everyone kind of look good and uh, and all of that. So I felt comfortable with, with doing the show, you know. And the funny thing, one of the funniest things was, was was that, no you know, no one was meant to know we were doing it and no one was meant to know who the guest chefs and things were. And so anyway, I was sitting outside at the first episode, nervous as all hell, and, and I was just out of my own just kind of gathering my thoughts and my very good friend uh, Matt Moran walked by and he was the first sort of guest chef on it and, and he's and he looks at me and goes and I went <laughs> what are you doing here what are you doing here um, which was pretty funny because then we had to sort of act like that we did hadn't seen each other and you know all that sort of stuff and you know none of the none of the the celebrities the guests on the show knew who else was on we we're all kept in separate rooms and stuff until we all came on you know so it was good it was yeah. it was a great experience but it was super stressful and um i think the I, I just the only way i got through it is i kept telling myself it will end you know this this <laughs> this challenge will end whether you finish or not or whether you stuff it up it will end yes. um and that's how i got through it because i just kept telling myself it's it's was not going to uh, be forever was there a bit of pressure on the home front from lane about parlaying your skills into uh more domestic contributions <laughs> well i've always handled most of the the cooking and i'm in fact i'm the housewife really so ah. uh you know i do the the washing and the and cleaning and cooking and stuff like that predominantly. I, I, I think on a sort of slightly more serious note i think I, I i you know through just seeing you in the media and different things you seem very content having now a new life so to speak i guess in a way having sacrificed all of those years on the road and i think you know some people harbor you know reformations and maybe there will be sort of a you know the odd one or two concerts Who, who's to know what the future is but you seem very content in you know your lifestyle now which must be comforting for you yeah, absolutely. I love my life, um, you know, and I, and we've been in this, you know, lockdown for a bit over three months now, and uh, I am actually, you know, quite a homebody, and and uh, but I never had that opportunity when when NXS was doing its thing, and so now I, you know, it's the simple things that I I really enjoy now, and I, I don't I don't miss anything. I don't, you know, miss sort of being on stage or anything mm. like that. I really enjoy uh, just having uh, pretty much a simple life. I mean, I've got lots of things going on. I've, I've got s- something about to happen, which I probably can't really talk about yet. Not musically. Because I met a lady called Deb- Debbie Tennant, I don't know if you know that name, but she told me about you being part of something called Origins. Are you still doing that? Oh, in, in uh, yes, in Origin. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm still origin, one. Yeah. yeah, I'm still one of the the ambassadors. Um, it's a wellness platform um, where you can buy, um, you know, predominantly organic products, chemical free, 
Um, they're they're all they all go all the products that are on the platform go through a board of um, professionals that go through it. And yeah, it's 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 very cool. It has it hasn't kind of I guess taken off as as everyone had hoped, but it's expanding and it's yeah it's it's very cool. Lane and I are both ambassadors on that. So is it an uh, app? Is it is it an app that you can? It's, uh, I don't think I've got an app, but it's just uh, in our origin. Uh, I think it's in origin.com. Yeah, it's a website. And also, I, you know, I've, I've gambled heavily on the stock market for the last 20 years and I love, love doing that. Um, that takes up a bit of, you know, definitely a bit of time Mr. every Mr. day. Mr. Bitcoin, yeah? Yeah, I, have, I bought Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, not a lot. I'm no. still feeling my way through that one. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, at least with, with equities, um, you know, you know they actually it's, – it's a company and they do something and, yeah. and uh, it's tangible. But, you know, crypto is pretty, pretty out there. Well, my look, on a separate note, on a charitable area, my, I think my mother got to know you a little bit through my fandom, but she also was quite endorsing when she was alive about the work you did with, I think, Glucoma and some of the EI foundations oh, yeah. and things. Um, do you yep. want to maybe just elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, I, the I Foundation is no more. I mean, I believe they are still a, a body, which was, you know, representing all the ophthalmologists for Australia and New Zealand. But I nearly lost my sight to glaucoma in the 80s and uh, and they approached me, oh, you know, um, as to whether I wanted to be an ambassador for them. And I thought, well, I've, I've got a story and I can – relate to uh to the particular foundation and so I, I was with them for about 12 years as their key ambassador and then uh more recently well then after that uh I, w- I was the key ambassador for november for about three years or maybe four years and then now currently i'm involved with glaucoma australia yeah and and what part of the 80s was that uh, issue with the eyes did you have to have an operation or some some you know medical yeah. assistance yeah it was around uh, it was around the the kick album um, oh. and we were we were doing a tour up the east coast uh, of australia and across to darwin and i started started seeing kind of halos and stuff around um, yeah. uh, street lights after the gigs and everything and there's, an, and there's an irony to all of this too, which I'll divulge in a minute. But um, anyway, I didn't know what it was. I just thought I had sort of maybe some kind of conjunctivitis or whatever. But anyway, it culminated in, uh, in uh, thankfully, after the last show in Darwin, um, I woke up the next morning in excruciating pain and, and felt like someone was twisting daggers in my eyes. I couldn't open them. My my partner at the time, Karen, you know, called a doctor to the room and he kind of freaked out because he saw how much pain I was in but gave me some painkillers and got back to Sydney. Uh, we flew back that day. I got wheelchaired onto the plane because I couldn't, you know, open my eyes. Um, and when they eventually worked out what it was, which was some um, glaucoma, uh, I was sort of fast-tracked to a pioneering ophthalmologist that was doing, uh, exper- not experimenting, you know, but was doing laser surgery for glaucoma. Um, and I had that laser surgery and that, pretty much fixed it i've been fine with it ever since but obviously i have to get it checked every couple of years so i i really became a a millimeter of going blind um uh which you know was was pretty pretty frightening at the time could have changed your life and changed the life of in excess as well you know some blind guy Okay. 
lots been mentioned about Michael and everything there. I'd love to just ask you the question. A song we love off Listen Like Thieves, Good and Bad Times, it was a songwriting thing that you and Michael put together. I think it should have been a single. It was a, a real, a real great rock and roll. Heavy. It's probably one of the heaviest guitar sounds with the, one of the great solo saxes that you played. Um, tell us about the songwriting with you and Michael for that, because there was a little period there between the swing and Listen Like Thieves where you and Michael seemed to co-write together a bit. Yeah, look, it was never co-writing in the true sense of the word. Uh, how, how it predominantly worked throughout our career was that one of us would, you know, we'd, we'd put pieces of music together and then basically hand them to Michael and let him put a, a vocal or a lyric, on, you know, a lyric on it. And, of course, that would be if he liked what was there, if he liked the song. With Andrew and Michael's songwriting, Andrew would write the music first and Michael would have a, you know, a folder full of scraps of paper with lyrics and scribbles and whatever. And then they would they would literally come together physically and and uh, and work on the songs from there. But with with my songwriting with Michael, we were never in the same room working together. Right. Um, and especially because he was living around the middle of from the middle of the eighties over in Hong Kong. So it was yeah, it was sort of really. To hatch and what, hope that he liked a couple of the songs. Yeah, you know? do you, I mean, part of Unisys contributions. I know there was a lot of co-writes, you know, within the, or band compositions on the first three albums. Is yeah. there a song that you look back on with fondness that you were heavily involved with that you're the proudest of? Um, be a deep track. Look, I think I think I think we're all proud of "Don't Change," um, yeah. you know, because it became our our uh, the last song of every gig, other than Wembley. I don't know how that happened. No one remembers why that happened. Um, But it was, uh, you know, don't change. And it it was probably, I think, the last song that we all wrote together because it came out of, you know, when we were sharing houses and and things like that together, Um, which by then, you know, we were all living separately, separate lives sort of thing. So, yeah, don't change has definitely got a a big place in my heart, Mm. uh, uh, you know, as a song. Um, and as and as being the the last song we all kind of wrote uh, together. But the thing was is that with with a lot of the songs, you know, they developed when they were being recorded, and and everyone input different parts and things, and they would change, and uh, they not necessarily verbatim to to the demos and stuff. I mean, probably elegantly wasted is the most tampered with. Uh, I mean, sorry, the least tampered with as far as uh, the original demo songs to to how they ended up on the record. I mean, a lot of the stuff was transferred over from the demos um, on that album. So, uh, that, I think Andrew yeah, and Bruce had a uh, Andrew really co-produced, didn't he? That with Bruce. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think so. I mean, yeah. you know, Bruce took took the control and and I think the way Bruce saw it was like well the you know because by then the technology and and uh and the availability of technology for any you know any of us to write songs at home or whatever things like pro tools and blah 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 that had been developed um and so I think Bruce just you know he he heard the demos and thought well let's just transfer this over and we're all going hang on Hang on, that's not really that's necessarily how we do things here, <laughs> but but you know, in essence, it it uh, it saved a lot of time, and we did that quite a bit with the Switch album too. Um, it 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 saved a lot of time, and it was like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying the whole album of Elegantly Wasted was done that way, but a lot of it. And obviously, then you know, the rhythm section needed to go down for most of the songs live. You know, John and Gary, and you know, I think. Uh, all the kind of leady solos and stuff like that on the album and obviously sax and vocals and blah, blah. Um, yeah, that evolved 
from the first album where we had all jointly written everything and, and, and the songs were pretty much went down as we were already playing most of them live to the other end of the scale by the time we got to Elegantly Wasted where a lot of the, the material was lifted off the demos. rock and roll need to do now you guys were given chances to make mistakes you you know bands now don't get five albums to cultivate no. and develop a sound i mean back then you had a and r guys you had record companies that took risks and chances and I, I i would assume you're thankful being part of that era rather than the one now trying to break through the white noise i mean yeah, how does yeah. a rock band now get its ascendancy back because it's something we're frustrated about yeah you know? look it's a, it's a good question i mean you've literally got to deliver a finished product to a record company now and whereas when you know we we're around it was like you know you, you had to pack up the avalon rsl and then they'd come and listen to you you know and but but interestingly i think without with our career and our our involvement with the record companies, none of the record company were even allowed near the studio when we were recording. So we had no intervention from uh, A&R guys or, or anything, really. It, it was just ironic that one of the A&R guys ended up producing, you know, our third album being Mark Opitz, an A&R guy, as well as a record producer, but he was an A&R guy, I think, yeah. uh, at Warner's back in, back in that era. Um but yeah, we, we, it was, you know, it was closed. Our, our studio recordings were closed. It was just us and the producer and occasionally Chris Murphy would come down. And, um, but other than that, you know, friends and things like that had come in, but there was no, no sort of intervention from the record company. Whereas I think a lot of other bands intervention from the A&R people and, and that's not a good or a bad thing, you know, yeah. but yeah, it is, it is very different now because you've literally got to have the product together and where i see that as being a good thing is that you are left alone to create the music and create the song and the uh what you know if you do a, a video and all that yourself so it's probably opened up the creativity side of things uh, more onto the artist than it was ever before which is mm -hmm. a good thing but how you get yourself out there these days and all of that and and yes you know there isn't that kind of long-term thinking of you know five album deal and all that, um, it is very different. But yeah. I don't know if it's if it's harder or or not. Uh, you know, it's different. Um, I guess isn't it? It's but just different. Like everything, everything. Yeah. Everything's different. And now with COVID, it's really put us yeah. to all the live um, gigs as yeah, well. Internationally, it will be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's been a huge kind of hit to the music industry. I think, mm. I think, you know, that and the hospitality industry have been most hit. It's really, it sucks. It's really, really sad, you know, but then, you know, that's kind of pivoted um, yeah. with, with, you know, online performances is not the same, but it's everyone to think outside the box and, uh, and, and look at the, the new sort of, playing field um and you know hopefully it will it will come back where artists can get out there again for you know some of the artists that relied totally and solely on on live performance you know uh, as opposed to someone like us that have a, a catalog that still kind of sells and it's been hard these days i mean a lot of modern artists you know through publishing or through record sales being diminished of what they were the, the live scene was their bread and butter really 
Yeah. Uh, absolutely, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It, was their, it was their bread and butter, you know. Yeah, I follow John Butler quite a lot, and he's always like live streaming from his car singing, or yeah, yeah right, yeah. And just, that's cool. That's and cool. you're looking more into their lives as well now, and yeah. them as a person. So yeah, it's just a different perspective on the art. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's kind of cool and everything, but in some ways, it's taken the mystique away from artists, you know, mm. and taken that sort of gee, I wonder what they're like as people and you see them sort of in interviews or like back in our day, you know. Yeah. Um, there was no sort of personal kind of life, you know, visible to, to the public. Did you, do you know how to play keyboards, Kurt? Not really. You some know, of your uh, interesting B sides sort of were quite orchestral in some of the stuff that yeah. you put together. And yeah, no, I play. And I, I wonder whether you had a vault. You might have a vault of melodies and songs that are sitting there in the to be touched eventually box or something like that. Yeah, I, mean, look, I, ha- I have got a, a you know definitely an album or two's worth of co-writes. I think in the um, in the sort of. From about the mid '90s, I started working with with a bunch of other artists, and and you know later on, Huey pr- produced an album with him, which was a co-write and, and perform and produce and engineer and all that sort of stuff. But there were some some other people that I worked with as well that just never saw the light of day. And yeah, I, I kind of thought at some point, you know, there's some labels around that will look at stuff like that, you know, and I I could release a record, you know. Kirk and his friends um, <laughs> or something, but oh, I don't know, you know, like for me. Yeah. Um, you got other stuff to do. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just kind of not that passionate about it anymore no. and no. And, uh, and all of that. So I'm okay with it. Maybe, maybe one day. Now, my last little myth buster, you lose the, the, the glasses there with yeah. Jimmy Morris. Was that your yeah. way of being a little bit incognito? Because I used to always look at that film clip and some of the early stuff, you looked a bit like a young Stefan Edberg, <laughs> which is a common. <laughs> He was a real, you know, he was a, yeah, yeah. a rooster. Yeah. But uh, there was a little bit of a non non bespeckled Kirk in the uh, going to get hurt clip and yes. having a good time. Yes, tell yes, us about I that. I, I'm not even sure why um, why I was asked to do that in the end, but yeah, I, I decided I'd, I'd be a little bit incognito. Uh, and see what happened, you know. We're trying to get Jenny on the show, actually. We uh, Philip said he might get on to um, She's got a good story to tell, I think, about oh, she, you guys. She'd have a whole lot of good stories to tell because um, she was on the road with us throughout the pretty much the whole Listen Like Thieves campaign. And, yeah, yeah we, we, we love Jen. Um, she was a big part of that part of our career and, and obviously Andrew was a big part of her career around that time as well. Yeah. Be, I'll shut up. You know, no, I, yeah. you know, I chased your tour bus in uh, on the Listen Like Face. <laughs> in England, <laughs> no, I did in not England. Yeah, Otherwise, did, we would have bloody stopped. let me on, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Eighty-six in Birmingham, uh, Odeon. Wow. Might be in your diary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blonde chick was running after. <laughs> Patron questions. Oh, well, you've crossed over on quite a lot of them. I, I'm going to start with the biggest one that came out. You touched on quite a lot of it earlier. Um, we've got a gorgeous patron who actually volunteers to help us a lot as well called Foxy. 
Foxy yeah. Lafias. I like right the now. name. Yes, yes. You have been extremely instrumental, sorry for all of the puns, in my life's my, uh, musical tapestry. And although I am a most intensive fan and collector of all things in, in excess, I have a different question for you. Ah. I, I am legally blind. It made a huge positive impression on me when I learned that you had visual struggles too and you were still creating and performing as a rock star what did you find was the most biggest challenge visually while being a rock performer and creator i think <laughs> the, the, the the hardest part was actually keeping my glasses on my head on stage <laughs> and uh pretty much because you know it's not getting sweat. fogged up in those yeah fogged cups. up and and sweat and they'd slide down my nose and i have to go you know push them back up again and and so i ended up uh ended up finding finding assortments of um what became known by the band as dork straps um, <laughs> because they were straps that tied onto the bottom of the, you know, the arms to, and went around the back of your head, um, which I had to wear or I'd, or I'd yeah. lose my, my glasses on stage, you know. Um, so <laughs> I know that probably sounds a bit flippant and a bit silly. Um, but look, other than that, I mean, apart from my, my incidents with glaucoma and, and thankfully uh, my eyesight being restored from it, um, you know, I have worn glasses all my life and I'm, I'm useless without them, but it hasn't really impacted or impaired, you know, anything other than I've over the years had to increase the strength so I can, you know, read stuff and all that sort of thing. Michael's eyesight wasn't great. Did you actually technically, after all the muscle memory, need the glasses to, to play? Like, was um, there a, Yeah, look, I did, I'm, I'm very uh, long-sighted. Um, so, uh, you know, if I've got them off, um, I can't read sort of anything. And, and I had a lot of foot switches and things to play with on the floor on stage, yeah. you know, and, yeah. uh, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, you know, un, unlike you know, Michael, who, who didn't wear his glasses on stage, I, I, I felt also that the glasses was kind of a little bit of a point of difference image-wise as well from, from the other yeah. guys. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're all about being individuals and, uh, yeah. and and being a bit different. And, you and, you and Eric sort of... McCusker, huh? Yeah, Eric McCusker. Huh? Thanks. Yeah, now I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say James Valentine, which which would have been nice to. <laughs> Who was that? Oh, James Valentine. James yeah, Valentine. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, live, I wear glasses too. So. Yeah. Yeah, Eric um, Eric is a good songwriter, you know. Yes, I like Mondo Rock. They're, yeah. they're a great band. Yeah, we did a lot of gigs with them, obviously in the. Early I think days. a song like Cool World is still a great song, isn't it? You know, mm. like it's just. I mean, comes to the boys, a great hit. I mean, he wrote Touch of Paradise for John Farn. I mean. Yeah, Ross's, yeah. Ross's history with everything he did in Daddy Cool through the producing Skyhooks, he's, he's really talented, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he and Joe Camilleri are two, well, you know, both being Melbourne based, I think two of the greatest, uh, uh, you know, kind of entities uh, and, and important. Um, you know, they should definitely be in halls of fame, um, you know, in Australian music kind of thing. And he was a great saxophone player, Joe. You know? Yeah, he was. Absolutely. Yeah. B, far away. Keep going. 
Because uh, I've got a stack. Can you just shut up, please, okay. and let me go? <laughs> All right. So um, we have this. Uh, we have this chemistry. <laughs> I yeah, tell him no, to I shut up, it. and he shuts up. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. You'll shut up for a couple of minutes. Yeah, I know. It's hard. <laughs> um, and I'm not rude enough to uh, butt in. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. Go, 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 go. Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a really nice guy called Blair Dwyer, who you might have known actually from don't change lead singer you know do you know oh the okay from the, yeah look i don't know him no i, I may okay. have met him i must i probably have met him i don't know well he's got but, a question uh, for you anyway oh, he, nice. he wants this is a bit odd but anyway you can see how you go with this one and um, ask him how he felt about being pushed off stage by hurt ah it was just <laughs> this one period one period of the elegantly wasted tour where uh, you know, because it was all about moshing and people passing, around, <laughs> you know, over the shoulders. And yeah. uh, but there was one particular gig. It was one of those uh, indoor outdoor sheds they call them in America, um, where you know it's seated undercover, and then it's a lawn area behind. And particular time, Michael um, decided to take a running shove uh of me and uh, and instead of the audience kind of <laughs> catching you, cat, cat, they parted. And I went went crumbling onto the cement and I was lying there still trying to play. I was in a lead solo in one of the songs. I think it was Devil Inside, actually. Oh, God. Um, And I'm trying to grapple with my guitar, hoping it wasn't broken. Um, And then someone leant down and and I had the dork strap on uh, and ripped my glasses off my head and ran away. Oh. And I oh, no. and I I was uh, I was fuming, and in fact, um, I think it might have been that might have been the last song of the set, and we went off stage, and I didn't have a spare pair. I had like some prescription sunglasses, which you know I, I, I is what I ended up wearing until I got. You know, anyway, yeah, yeah. I, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, good on you. Stealing my glasses, like, what are you, what are you going to do with them? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you won't be able to see through them. No. So, and, no. and they, I said, come backstage and and you know, please return them, sort of thing. And they did. Um, oh, which good. Was, oh, wow. Yeah, th- thankful. So my my little rant obviously worked, but yeah, I, I, I look. I must say, I, I wasn't a fan of it, but for the most part, you know, I did get cord on my back and I could play my solo and got passed around and then really awkwardly put back on stage. I mean, it was just, I'd, why? Anyway, Michael Michael loved it because I mean, you just like to push me off stage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's what else we've got for you. Okay, we've got um, Glenn Davis. Glenn Davis is from Davies. Davies. Yep. What did I say? Davis. Davies. Davies. Yeah. Corrected. Davies. Davies. Yeah. It's a bit like pretty jolie. Anyway. <laughs> Are you going to do something with your diaries? Well, we've already gone through that, really, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. Look, mm-hmm. I, I did start writing a book. I was encouraged. And so I, I, I was going to, uh, what was I going to call it? It was, um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. I had a title for it. But I did about four or five chapters, and the idea was to, you know, find oh, significant days, I think I was going to call it, but D-A-Y-Z. Um, and oh. the, the idea was to find some, you know, key pages with some photos and all sorts of things. And I did, I did about five chapters and 
and took it back to the publisher and left it with them. And, you know, it was weeks before she got back to me. And, and she said, ah, look, it, it's good, but I really think you'd need a ghostwriter, meaning someone else to write, you know, and then it becomes costly because, you know, you've got to pay the ghostwriter as well as you. And so we think we'll pass on it. And I was actually relieved because I, I think at the end of the day, you, no, those who you want to share. True, but it does, you know? it does, you know, divide uh, and conquer or divide and piss people off. Well, it's, you know, there's always yeah. going to be people that, that are, that are, you know, pissed off that you put that in there, or that—that's your not truth. How they, your truth, their truth, and something in between, that's right. isn't it? You know. Yeah. So I just sort of thought, you know what? It's an—it's an omen that she said it's kind of not good enough, and maybe something will happen with them. I, I'm happy just with the fact that they become a part of uh, putting together things like the story to story book with Anthony Bother and and the documentary and and stuff like that. That mm. they've at least got some sort of purpose for the yeah. There are hours of painstaking. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Know, Trying to, trying to remember what I did last night, you know, and then write it yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> did you like Richard's book, Richard Simpkins, what he did? Uh, which one? The Michael one or? The Michael one in Michael yeah, Pictures. Yeah. yeah. I can see it, see it right over there. It's in, beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. very, uh, he is a lovely man. And, and you know, mm. I still remember him and, and there were a couple of other girls that used to come and they used to just hang outside. Uh, in the hallways of, of Rhinoceros when we were recording, you know, and they were always there counting how many times I went to the toilet. Um, and uh, But they were just really, well, back then, kids. And, yeah. um, and I and I liked that he was able to kind of, you know, make something of his passion uh, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, He's captured a moment, really, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Or an era as well. Yeah, yeah we've yeah, had moments. him on the show, haven't we? He came oh, over and did He's, an interview. Yeah, no, he's been yeah. on probably three I've times. I've met with Richard a few times. Yeah, magazine article so you could understand mine and Hayden's journey. Did you get to read it at all or not? Oh, yes, I did. I did read that. Yes. Yeah. The one in the Coffs Harbour. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did read that. Yeah. So Hayden, yeah, and I met, really yeah, Hayden and I met at the Mystify gig. That's how it all yeah, started. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's all in excess that has brought us together. Yeah. When, when B puts on her sunglasses and does her rock star pose, she oh. looks like Mark McEntee from the uh, Divinals. Oh, yeah. Awful picture. Anyway, A much sexier version. Of These all. are yeah. the things yeah. I have to do to get in excess into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I will do it. Yeah. Okay? B, right. If Kirk likes media wars, you're a media extravaganza, you know. Extravaganza. Anyway. <laughs> 
This is Sheila from Birmingham, Alabama. Hey, this is Susan from Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi, this is Maite from Montreal, Canada. This is Suzanne from Los Angeles, California. And that's a wrap. Wow. Hey, was that the, I'll let you have the new ball. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you begin? Oh my God. I can't believe we have Kirk Pengilly talking to us about all this stuff. And there's still more to talk about. Awesome. Well, yeah, well, I think this episode was really sort of getting to know Kirk the person, sort of, mm. you know, sort of pre the band, sort of a little bit sort of during the band and post the band in terms of some of the things he went through. And talk about sharing and really not holding back. I mean, you sort of feel like you know the person uh, yeah. and people, hopefully our listeners will feel the same way when they yeah. sort of, uh, you know, download this podcast. I'm sorry listen. I got a bit fangirly at the beginning <laughs> there, but I had to get out, <laughs> get it out. It was good, really good. And I've got so many more questions to ask him. And I know that there's loads of patron questions that have been coming in that we can talk Yeah, and look, we've got week. a few samples out at the mm. end there. And I know next week we're going to have a lot of the uh, uh, fan questions going to be sort of released to Kurt for answering. So, What did you um, get out of this week from him, though? Um, look, I, I thought I just got to know him a little bit more and just, mm. you know, just him, you know, in terms of his sort of sense of community, you know, some yes. of the cultural things that he's involved with, you know, the, the ambassadorships, um, mm. you get a chance to sense some, and I say this not glibly at all, but you get to sense, you know, what, what great character he has yeah. as a person. He's intelligent, mm. um, which was obvious. He's caring, he's community minded. Um, he's respectful. You know, he loves a camera, you know, for media wars. Mm. We know that. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, on a serious level, you know, you got, just felt like we got to sort of see the man behind the persona a little bit. And um, he was such a sort of a giving contributor this week uh, for the episode. So and, that's what I the, got. In fact, he sounds so contented with Lena, doesn't he? You know, like he oh, said yeah. that he's like the guy that makes the dinner now. And just, <laughs> I, I like that. I like that he's been the rock star, done the world tours. And now he's like, I'm happy to be a homebody. Bless him. It's great to hit we your goals you, in life, Kirk. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's great to hit your goals in life, isn't it? Mm, mm. You know, in many respects. If you can hit your goals in life, well, that's what I sense is we're chatting someone who's really content and happy what they've achieved, but equally, you know, putting sort of their life and energies in other parts of their life now. Yeah. Um, which is well, great. Please, and, um, Kirk, don't give up on in excess is music. We still want more. <laughs> well, <laughs> There's a couple of little things, uh, B, we thought we should announce too. Uh, we will get to a little bit of a tribute to songs at the end, but uh, we thought that what we would do, because we just think after this episode that we can't really wait another whole seven days to release part three. So we're going to do a little midweek release, aren't we, uh, on the Wednesday uh, or Thursday of part three. We're going to give it a double upload in the same week to round it off. What do you think? I'm being put off by all the beautiful birds in the background. I, I do. It's, um, I'm, I'm Absolutely from home gorgeous. I've got all these birds at home and I've just had my garden like- clip. To- <laughs> I've had my garden clip today, you know, and uh, maybe the birds are all flying going, geez, we can see the back garden now. <laughs> it sounds like you're in the middle of an aviary. <laughs> I do. It's, um, it's uh, what do they call it? A, 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 I had a, a feeling you were a bird man, mate. Well, you know, it's birds love you, do they? Ophthalmologist or whatever there, a bird watcher. Uh, so there you go. But um, yeah, so we're going to do a little midweek release of part yes, three. Yes, Hayden, seven- we are going to do that. <laughs> don't have to wait seven sleeps for part three. Nah. Um, okay. Uh, fan engagement, B, there's been heaps of it. I'll let you do the greatest hits on it and take it away. The greatest hits. Hi. 
There was a gorgeous guy called Paul Lee that had a few discussions with Laurie um, about a few things. So hi, Paul. I look forward to speaking to you more. But there's a few guys here. I'd like to know where all these people come from. So if you're in, if you are hearing your name, get in touch. Angelo, Christopher, Riley, Claire Aubrey, got um, Edmund O'Connor, Isabel Felix. We've got Nicole Woven, Andrew Lambie. Joel R, Joanne Anthony, Laurie Holmes, Craig Clark, and Patricia Pullmans. I'm in with the in crowd. I go with the in crowd. Uh, I guess, you know, in terms of some people who are maybe new to these episodes and things, what are some of the platforms they can hit up and communicate with other people, Do Well, all those gorgeous people are subscribers to our website, so thank you for finding us. Um, I think we can also mention that we are big on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, but, yeah, come via our, our website, which is inaccessaccessallareas.com. Uh, and also kudos to the newsletter that's going out. Uh, I know another anniversary, I think, in the last week of uh, releases and things. It might have been the X album, I think, but you might have had an anniversary, I think. Oh, the last actually, newsletter. we do have to put a little correction. I think there might have been a date went out wrong. Um, uh, someone was very quick. Thank you, Dane Peters, um, to <laughs> let us know that we got a date wrong. We're sorry about that. Okay. My must, my, my, I heard that was I deliberate, though, just to just check, wasn't it, on our listenership and our fan base, not uh, uh, of the band, I should say, um, checking the accuracy. Of them. So it's good to know that they caught our little uh, thank slip. Thank you. They did it on purpose, they say. So thank you, Dane. You've won nothing. nothing. <laughs> Compliments. <laughs> All right. A couple of little things, B. Uh, as we alluded to a little bit earlier, we, we really are entering that uh, welcome to wherever you are phase uh, soon with uh, some of our recordings. Uh, which is going to be very, very pumped. I know a lot of listeners are excited about that. Uh, we did have an auction go out last week. Do you want to give the update, uh, listeners, on that? Because it was a welcome flavour auction at Heaven Sam, I think, wasn't it? Yes, yes. We had a lot of people interested in that. There was a lot of watchers. Um, at the point of recording, we still have a few days left. But when this is aired, it would have finished yesterday. So okay. um, congratulations to whoever won. And hello to the birds in the background who are now going up to lead vocals. Uh, <laughs> um, we, we we really like to go out with some tribute songs and things like that. And I think last week we did put on the Switch song, take, uh, sorry, Like It or Not, uh, mm-hmm. that Kirk wrote with uh, Huey for that album. Uh, what we thought we'd do this particular week is really highlight some of Kirk's contributions to the B-sides that have gone out. And we've got, I think, five of them we're going to put together for about a minute each. But we, we do hope you get a little sample of these and go and sort of download them or discover them because some of them are fantastic. I will mention a couple of them. Uh, we have The Other Side, uh, which is a really beautiful composition. Mm-hmm. I think it might be off one of the X singles. Uh, Patar Speaks, yeah. uh, which we really like. Ashtar Speaks. Uh, like the Planet, it's a little bit varied in terms of uh, its production, but it's interesting. Uh, and then there's On the Rocks there, which I think is the flip side of the Devil Inside uh, release, yeah. uh, B-side to that. So some of these orchestral-flavoured and have some really cinematic feel to them. Some are a bit Eastern musical type sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of them are a little little bit, you know, uh, word probably. Exotic. A little bit exotic, but a little bit bluesy, but On the Rocks oh, there. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yep. it's got a little bit of a sort of a click the fingers thing going. 
Um, but we just, you know, felt that In Excess, as uh, music has been more than the A-sides and the albums, and there have been some interesting B-sides where I think each band member got to express themselves in their musical sort of uh, journeys along the way. And we thought with Kirk being, as I said, you know, uh, a feature of this episode, we could feature some of Kirk's B-sides that listeners may not know about. So uh, I guess, B, we'll put those together about okay. a minute each. And no goodbye from goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody.